Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Alright, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are going to be talking about La Llorona, and joining me is Rosa from Latinx Lens. It's great to have her back on the show, and I am glad to be talking about this movie. It is an interesting one, and uh, quite creepy, although as we get into in the conversation, not really a horror movie, even though it's available on Shudder, the all-horror movie uh, streaming service. So we'll get into that as we get into the conversation, but before we get to that, I want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join in the conversation in our Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces Facebook group. And uh, also don't forget to rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also share us with your friends. We absolutely appreciate all the shares. Uh, that is, you know, above all else, the way we get this show heard. So share 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 and thank you so much for sharing and thank you so much for listening so let's get into that conversation about la llorona all right so joining me today back on the show is rosa from latinx lens rosa how's it going hey <laughs> i'm doing good how are you I am all right. I am uh, very happy to have you back on the show. It's been a little while. Last time was a not so good movie, so I'm glad to uh, get to talk about a good movie with you. <laughs> yes. Yes, I, I am very, very, very happy uh, to be back. That You just keep inviting me back, and I'm always going to say yes to you. So happy to be back, and yes, excited, excited to be here. And I, I should say, like, as we get this one started, uh, I haven't done enough foreign films on this show, so I'm really glad that we're talking about this today. Yes. Well, that's really good to hear um, that, that you're excited about it. Not that you haven't done a lot of foreign films, but that, that you're excited yeah. to do this because some of my pieces are going to be uh, kind of foreign films as well. Good, good. I, I am very glad. Uh, my pieces are a mixture of, of that and some very mainstream references that uh, I'm sure maybe people who aren't familiar with this movie will, uh, this will kind of clue them in as to what to expect if maybe they haven't sought it out yet before this conversation. Although, of course, we do get into some spoilers along the way. Uh, but let's start jumping into some puzzle pieces for La Llorona. What do you have for your first piece? 
Okay, yes. So uh, for my first piece, I think I'm going to start uh, with um, Jairo Bustamantes, who's the writer-director of this recent uh, film, La Llorona, from 2019. Not the Conjuring one. Don't don't see that. <laughs> see this <Yes>. one. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to go with his directorial debut, which is called Ixcanul, which is, uh, it, it translates to volcano in... Let me see if I don't butch this name, but it's Kakchikel, which is the language of, of these Mayans. Uh, okay. This, the, this, um, the Mayans that are part of the film. And yes, uh, um, the, my first puzzle piece is his directorial debut. Obviously, there's so many commonalities between this and La Llorona. Um, aside from the director, uh, we have... Well, first, let me give you a little brief synopsis of, of what the movie is about. Uh, so the movie, pretty much, it's about a young uh, woman, a young indigenous woman um, who lives on the slopes of an active volcano in Guatemala. She is to be in a uh, arranged marriage, and she's only 17 years old. Her name is Maria. And we see this is kind of a little bit of a coming of age story for her, for Maria. And then we uh, see a, a variety of different stages in, in her life. We see, of course, we, we focus on Maria, but we also focus a little bit on her parents. Uh, they work in a coffee uh, plantation. And then we see, of course, the wider aspect of social issues and how indigenous groups uh, this demographic is very much marginalized and a lot of similarities with, with topics of, of La Llorona, very similar. Um, another similarity with the film are the two main actresses <laughs> that, that end up right. coming along uh, for, for La Llorona as well. So, so that was pretty um, interesting to see. Um, yeah, so it, it's uh, this film... It certainly gave us a little glimpse of, of what Jairo Bustamante had, uh, his potential as, as a filmmaker. And man, even as a directorial debut, this film is visually gorgeous. And, and the story it tells is very, very much important. But yeah, it, it, it digs in into, um, I don't want to spoil it too much. I mean, it's from 2015, so it's not mm -hmm. relatively that old but there, there's a few things here and there that uh, I would want people to just surprise themselves with it uh, so just know that it, it does focus a lot on, on shining a light on the indigenous experience in a mm. colonial land which is pretty much everything around here um, right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> unfortunately but yeah it, it, it's very much um, it was giving us glimpse of what he's able to do as a filmmaker but also of the stories that he's interested in telling and how these are stories that are very much um well uh deserve to be told particularly from his lens uh mm -hmm. a very a lens that's very much underrepresented and that we need more stories to come from Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I haven't seen it, but I, I definitely would love to, especially after seeing La Llorona. I, I think Bustamante has a really interesting point of view with the way that he, he stages this film. And just looking at uh, images of, of this other film, it, it, looks, um, it looks absolutely beautiful. And it's definitely something I'm looking forward to checking out. And also that, that main actress is great in this. So I'm, I'm sure she's great in that as well. Oh, yes. They're, they're both really, really great. Awesome. Well, I'm going to go with my first puzzle piece. And this, this one, 
kind of it was one of the first things that I thought of after I finished watching this, and that's actually uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth, um, mm. because it takes a, a different horrific, you know, historical event, um, and and kind of even though this is a drama, it places horror and fantasy elements within. Uh, the world of that particular historical event. Of course, uh, you know, in, in Pan's Labyrinth, it's uh, the Spanish Civil War. Uh, you know, here it's it's this uh, genocide, uh, Guatemala, and it is a, you know, very different setting. But uh, to try to infuse horror and fantasy elements into that is where I got the connection here. And mm-hmm. I, I think it is important for people to know going into this movie, La Llorona, is even though there's so much horror to it, it's not really a horror movie, even though it's pretty creepy. Um, and, and and there's some scary stuff in there. It's definitely more of a drama first. And that's, you know, kind of the same way I think that uh, Guillermo del Toro, ta- the direction he takes with Pan's Labyrinth, is, is you're kind of you're getting this kind of like fantasy drama that has these horror elements that, you know, brings it squarely into that genre world, but um, it is definitely not just trying to, you know, scare you the whole time. And so it's definitely, yeah. if you're if you're not a fan of horror movies, it's not really that kind of a thing. Right, yes. That, and I'm glad you point that out because, yes, La Llorona is not your, your, your main street jump scare um, kind of horror film. If you're, if you're jumping into this film um, expecting that, you're going to be very much disappointed. Um, mm-hmm. However, you will have a good time watching this masterpiece. <laughs> Yes. Um, and it's funny. I'm I'm glad you you bring up Pan's Labyrinth because uh, my my next puzzle piece um, is certainly a, a Guillermo del Toro film. Uh, but I went with The Devil's Backbone actually. Sure. Uh, yeah, from 2001. Similarly, for for the reasons you you just set out. Um, but I, I guess for me because okay, so so if you have not seen <laughs> uh, The Devil's Backbone, it it pretty much follows a a a t- year old boy his name is Carlos and he arrives to an orphanage uh, that's currently uh, taking um, a lot of these orphans from from the war uh, which which is the movie that's right before Pan's Labyrinth so this is this movie is right at the end of the Spanish Civil War and we have Carlos he goes into this orphanage and then he has to find um, his way uh, through the orphanage and then gradually uh, he figures out uh, about the historical events that happened in this orphanage, including a little ghost of a little young boy who was murdered um, in the orphanage na- uh, named Santi. So, like you just said, having these these horror elements and these fantastical elements as well um, incorporated in a situation like this one, um, like like um, the Devil's Backbone, where we have the orphanage, that it's literally a visualization of the Civil War. Because within the orphanage, of course, you have your villains, you have uh, people who are trying to protect these children. And then um, we also see what I particularly found a lot of similarities with um, in La Llorona was the ghost. <laughs> we have mm-hmm. the ghost of Santi here, and then we have the legendary ghost of La Llorona both of whom are, um, in this case, Santi, uh, he is looked upon. Initially, we, of course, it's a ghost. It's a monster. Uh, We're led to believe. We automatically assume uh, that he's the villain of the story. But in reality, we get more, as the the film progresses, we learn about his story. We learn uh, 
um, why he's uh, seeking whoever he's seeking and kind of similar to to la llorona you know uh, she she enters the uh the the film with a purpose <laughs> yeah. so it, what i what actually yeah i i will probably reserve what i was about to say right now in terms of uh these characters because uh, i'll probably just save it for the next piece but okay. yes the devil's backbone with uh by guillermo del toro just found a lot of similarities with, with la llorona as well Awesome. Awesome. And yeah, and I, I think that, you know, just putting those two together, those two Guillermo del Toro movies, they, yeah. it really kind of just goes to show just how this is in like a, a tradition of of bringing, uh, bringing horror elements to real world dramatic, you know, stories. And that I think that kind of like brings people who maybe wouldn't have been there for the uh, for that kind of story, like maybe people who aren't, you know, into a uh, you know a historical drama, but then they they hear that oh, there's going to be horror stuff involved, and it uh, you know it definitely brings in a, a different audience, which is a great right. thing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So I'll go for my next puzzle piece, and this one might seem a little out of left field, but I'm going to go with Ari Aster's Hereditary. Um, and the, the reason I think there's a parallel here is because, and, and spoiler alert for Hereditary, but, um, <laughs> the family in, in this movie Hereditary, the, they're going through all of this hell basically because of the sins of the grandmother of the family. And here in, in La Llorona, you've got the sins of the father of this family, who is this dictator who has done these just horrendous, atrocious things uh, during war. And so this family has to basically pay for that and has to be put through this awful situation, uh, being stuck inside their house and, and, and you know, fearing for their safety and the weird, crazy stuff going on around them. So, yeah, the, the, the reason for all of this dates back to, you know, in, in, uh, in Hereditary, a matriarchal figure, but here a patriarch figure. And so uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's a little bit of a different version of it, but a, a good parallel, I think. Interesting. I had not thought about that. That's a good pick. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad yeah, you like that. That's a good pick. Yes. <laughs> Did you hear like my brain just be blown away while you were explaining this? I was like, oh, okay, I see where he's going with this. I got it. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes the puzzle pieces come from weird places, but you know, if if it works, it works. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, what do you got next? Okay, so my next piece, and and this is the one that I was <laughs> referring to um earlier when uh, right before I recorded, and I was like, oh, I don't know. Uh, how are you going to feel about this um okay. but it, it's gonna it's obvious <laughs> um for me it is since we already talked about two of his films um and i i was just gonna use guillermo del toro uh, in general as a filmmaker and his impact in the horror film as one of my pieces okay cool if that's okay with you <laughs> that's fine yeah i okay. mean his his influence ranges really far so absolutely yes. Okay, cool. So, yes, what, what Guillermo del Toro has done, particularly with his first three films, and, and it's something we've already been talking about um, in terms of utilizing the horror genre with the drama and then also sending uh, this political message or using this uh, social political commentary or narrative um, within his films that's very much <laughs> present all throughout uh, La Llorona. 
and how Guillermo del Toro um, happens to like rewrite or bend or um, somehow modify per se uh, a, a genre like the horror genre that was already so established, uh, mm. particularly in Hollywood uh, with these conventions of, of, of your, your stereotypical monster stories where the monster is the evil one and, and that's it. But along comes Guillermo del Toro and gives it a little twist where he makes his characters a bit more complex and, and finds a way, manages to find a way to make his monsters um, somehow sympathetic <laughs> yes. uh, for, for the audience to feel uh, sympathetic towards these monsters and manages to find a way to... Um, showcase that in reality majority of the times the true villains and the true monsters on this earth are men or human um yeah. although in his films they're men um, yeah, yeah a lot of the time yeah yeah <laughs> a lot of the times you know men hello yeah. <laughs> uh, i just don't want like oh my gosh he's so sexist <laughs> but uh, i found out that that was also very much shown with within la llorona we we, we see how um, yes, we, we do have this legendary ghost that's present and, and she does uh, tend to do all these uh, fantastical things. But in reality, the true villain in that film is the grandfather. It, it is the yes. guy um, who's done all these atrocious things to uh, to the Maya community. And I, I, that's something that's very much uh, something I, I truly admire from from Del Toro that I'm pretty sure he he picked a lot from his own experience considering um, I'm pretty sure uh, I, it was either an interview or a speech he's made, but he's always uh, been vocal about how his monsters were the ones that he's always uh, resorted to every time he was alone or every time he, he just needed something or somebody uh, to to um, just seek out. His monsters were always there with him. So, yeah. and, it's, and it's very intriguing and very interesting to see how in, in a lot of his films, these men are very powerful fascist ideology men yes, uh, yes. that are the ones that are, are the most villainous and the most monstrous of all which very much parallels with La Llorona. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one other thing just to add to that um, mm -hmm. is he really loves his fairy tales. And, yeah. you know, La Llorona being, you know, just, you know, classic, you know, fairy tale style story uh, about this, uh, this particular character, this folklore. Um, I mean, I just think that it's, it's the kind of thing that I, I could have pictured him making, you know, a, a oh, La Llorona yeah. type movie for sure. Easily, yeah, absolutely. I'm actually a bit surprised that he hasn't. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. It totally seems like something he'd do. But uh, yeah. and, and you would you would expect too that if he did, it wouldn't be like straightforward. Like we probably shouldn't even bring it up again. But like the Curse of La Llorona, but uh, it wouldn't be something straightforward like that. It would be something that blends in some kind of other story in like a really interesting way, the way that this movie does. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yes, absolutely. I can definitely see that. Yeah. Well, I'm going to actually use uh, what you were just saying about, uh, you know, about the villain, you know, really being, you know, the man at the center of this family and, you know, mm -hmm. and finding out about who the, who the real the real monster is. I'm going to go with a puzzle piece that is probably going to seem a little silly, but uh, it works for me and we'll, we'll see what you think here. Uh, I'm going to go with 10 Cloverfield Lane. 
okay? So, okay. for me, obviously, these are very different movies. It's a very different setup. But the, the two kidnapped people in 10 Cloverfield Lane who are being held at a bunker uh, with John Goodman, and he's making it sound like they can't go outside or they'll die. Uh, mm-hmm. But by the end, it turns out that, you know, he is the monster, it, it, at least until he isn't, and there's a big space alien. But that's, a, that's kind of an epilogue to the movie. Um, but but the, ma- <laughs> the main story, he's the monster. And uh, really, what's outside is definitely not the thing to be scared of. It's him. And that brings me to La Llorona, which is all these protesters outside, which, you know, the mm. family thinks are so scary and they're they're stuck in this house and they're they're they're, you know, scared for their lives because of it. But really the the real monster of this movie is absolutely the dictator, the grandfather, this guy, yeah. even though he's a you know, a little old man at this point, he is uh he, he is a terrible monster and was has been responsible for just like unspeakable things and that is who these people should be scared of uh the exactly. whole time but they're not and so that that's where uh the comparison i think comes in interesting okay okay i can see that <laughs> and and that i mean i just love that movie so much so uh yeah <laughs> i'm always glad to bring it in uh, even even if it's even if it's one of these uh these weird ones I, i'm very happy to bring it in yeah, so. <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> So, uh, do you have another puzzle piece? I do. So, my next puzzle piece is uh, La Teta Asustada, The Milk of Sorrow from 2009. It's directed by Claudia Llosa, and it follows an indigenous woman, um, but her name is Fausta, and she suffers from a rare disease called Milk of Sorrow, a a disease that's believed uh, to be um, transmitted uh, through her uh, via breast milk um, from either most likely her mother that unfortunately uh, was raped. Uh, she's sadly mm. the product of rape. Um, mm. So the film just follows her and and uh, throughout the film uh, trying to to seek jobs to earn money so she can bury her mother. And we see the the, the generational trauma. Uh, between her because her mother had inflicted so much fear into her um, such so um, I don't know if, I, if I'm allowed to get very graphic or not um, <laughs> That's okay. but it, oh, it, it gets it, it's just unfortunate that this is yeah. the extent uh, that that she has to go to her mother inflicted so much fear um, that of course uh, in this case women have to be the ones to protect themselves from rape Um, And in her case, she um, inserts a potato um, in her genital area. Uh, We'll just Hmm. leave it at that to prevent it, to prevent rape. So nobody would rape her. And of course, it's something that's very uh, traumatic. That's the extent uh, that that she's willing to go for for this not to happen. Pretty much for um, history, uh, to prevent history from repeating itself. So, I mean, the, the film is beautifully shot and the acting is very, very solid. And of course, in comparison to La Llorona, following um, indigenous group, groups, but also highlighting uh, what it's like to be a woman in a patriarchal society, um, particularly an indigenous woman sure. um, who has to uh, put up 
with, with all of this just just because she's a woman and she's an indigenous woman and yeah i think she she uh through her journey she finds a job um, as a housekeeper of course of, of a rich white uh, criollo per se or, or spaniard and same thing exploitation she she does not get paid the amount that she was promised and yeah it's just the belittling again the oppressing of the indigenous groups and it, it's certainly a film um, that i highly recommend watching i mean it, it was nominated for a reason it, it's a really really strong and great film to watch uh, yeah. but it, it's certainly one a powerful one and one that i can certainly see um having a little influence in la llorona yeah, I mean, it sounds brutal. Um, oh, it yeah. sounds really brutal, but it sounds yeah. great. Um, I, I will have to seek that one out. I have not seen it. Yeah. That That's actually a good setup for, for the next piece that I was going to bring up, uh, you know, speaking about indigenous people and, and just how hard some people have it. And I, I thought of Coron's Roma and mm. the maid character who we are following. And yeah, and with La Llorona, you know, this rich you know, wealthy family treats their help so poorly. And you, you really see just that divide in, in the classes and just how these people just treat them like such shit. And even though they, they, you know, they really should have so much more empathy for people, but, but it's just not there whatsoever. And, uh, you know, in, in Roma, it's also just a, you know, a deeply personal story ab about this woman and, uh, and what she goes through and uh, again, about that gap between between these two different classes. And, you know, of course, they're both very different movies in the stories that they're conveying. But, you know, they're both very difficult movies to watch, yeah. but are incredibly beautifully shot and well made. And so I think they're they're similar technically but just different in what they're conveying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see. Uh, I understand why why you chose uh, um, the film. Um, I, I'm not the biggest fan of the movie, but yeah. no, I, I see where, where you're coming from in terms of indigenous representation and um, the class disparities and just the, yeah. the mistreatment. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, uh, what do you got next? Yeah, so so this piece, this is the, uh, another movie called El Norte <laughs> from mm -hmm. uh, 1983, directed and written by Gregory Nava. Um, this movie, it's such a uh, classic. <laughs> it's an iconic film film uh particularly for latin america uh, mm -hmm. representation and it, it follows again it starts with um in guatemala and it follows a pair of siblings um enrique and rosa well hello my name's representative <laughs> um and they of course they, they they're part of the of the mayan indigenous community and they have to leave um after the government is um murdering them and attacking them and they just have to flee um and and throughout the film the film itself is divided in three parts the first part is um it, it's called um arturo and arturo who's the father of, of these two siblings and who is also works in in the coffee um, bean plantation uh he tries to to form a union um hoping to seek better working conditions um and, and salaries and the government of course they find out so that's when the attacks happen um so in, or, in order for them to 
possibly survive. They need to flee. Uh, here comes the second part, which is called um, El Coyote. And here is just the journey, the journey of these two um, siblings going from Guatemala to the United States. Uh, of course, you have to go through Mexico. And then mm. uh, the third part uh, called El Norte, which is when they arrive to the United States and what they have to experience as undocumented um, immigrants. And it, it was an interesting watch. Uh, it, it's uh, it's an iconic film. I had not seen it until just recently. But mm. it, it's a movie that tells a relatively... Um, a story that isn't often represented. We do see a lot of um, immigration stories, a lot of crossing the border, uh, mm. but rarely do we see t our two protagonists being indigenous. Uh, right. it, it's rare w when we get that. So, so for it to be in this film and to be from the 80s, um, it, it's certainly something that I'm pretty sure must have at least paved the way um, for, for a movie like La Llorona. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have never seen this, and I, I hadn't even heard of this movie, but um, it sounds mm. really good. Um, it, it sounds like a great film, and uh, like you said, I mean, it's definitely a story that has not been told enough at all, yeah. and so it, yeah. it's you know, it's definitely a movie I think uh, people should see, and I'm looking forward to checking it out. Hey. So uh, that will do it then, because that is the the last of my puzzle pieces nice. so i will finish this thing up with the finished puzzle and we talked about a bunch of Guillermo del toro movies including his entire filmography really uh <laughs> we we also talked about hereditary 10 cloverfield lane the milk of sorrow roma and el norte so uh yeah. Uh, do you have any other thoughts that we didn't get into? Actually, before I ask you that, I did want to ask you a question. Are, have you seen any other uh, movies that approach the La Llorona uh, folklore in other ways? I am so happy that you just asked that. Um, I saw the, the, the Conjuring one, um, mm -hmm. which, of course, it, 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 it tells the story that uh, so many of us uh, know. I, I grew up, my mother would tell me the story of La Llorona, and she would uh, threaten me to somehow get in contact with her to come get me if I wouldn't go to sleep. <laughs> and uh, I, I grew up terrified of La Llorona. Uh, however, her story was slightly different from the one I saw in the movie of The Conjuring. However, I just recently found out that the story itself uh, the legend, the myth of, of the La Llorona herself is the one that we know right now. It's a, a post-colonial version of it. Um, hmm. Her story and reality is one of the Mesoamerican ones. And according to, to the director, to, to Jairo Bustamante, um, the legend of La Llorona, the crying woman, is an old pre-colonial tale told through Latin America. In the story of Mesoamerican people, La Llorona was a kind of princess of divinity, almost like a superhero who cries because she has visions of the future, hmm. which is completely different from the Conjuring one. Sure, <laughs> and yeah. And it's different than the one my mother used to tell me. And to see that he somehow attempted to make this film and 
somehow reclaim that original story uh that 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 imagery that story of this tale back <laughs> it is certainly something that that really catches my eye uh in terms of of your question of, of la llorona i saw the the conjuring one i actually didn't hate it as much as other people did um uh -huh. i didn't love it either i thought it was eh, i thought it was okay um yeah. But if you're asking if I've seen a tale of La Llorona as originally intended, uh, probably not until just now with this reiteration of the movie. Sure. And yeah, I, I saw that movie too. We, we were going to watch uh, this movie and uh, my family somehow talked us into watching The Curse of La Llorona instead. And <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah not, not very good, but uh, not terrible. It's, right, it's, right. You know. Yeah, could be worse. Let's it's it, it's yeah. not the worst of the Conjuring movies. Let's put it that way. Uh, but <laughs> but still okay. not very good. So yeah, I I think that uh, I think that does it for this Lyrona though. Unless there's any other uh, closing thoughts you had on it that you wanted to bring up. I, I've been championing this film since I first watched it. I don't know how many podcasts I've been in talking about this movie. Because I, re I really do hope it, 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 it gets the attention and that a lot of people do get the opportunity to watch it. It's currently streaming on Shudder. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can talk about this film forever, but I, I, I know you have things to do. So um, <laughs> just go watch it, please. Um, I, I was beyond happy and thrilled to, to award it the HCA International Film for, for our critics uh, group. That, that was a That blast. is so cool. And, Yes. Uh, yeah. When they asked me if I would present it, I'm like, sure, I'll present it. And that reaction that you saw was genuine. I didn't know who was going to win. So to see that envelope was certainly a treat. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was pretty awesome. But yeah, yeah. Just go watch it. it it's certainly a, a great film in every aspect in terms of the narrative, in terms of incorporating uh, this legendary ghost in, in, into a film with the, the this social commentary and and just the brilliant way that Bustamante manages to intertwine and 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 incorporate um her legend and and like he said he he wanted to reclaim it um back back to how the original tale is and and just to see that overall the technical aspect of this movie um man it, it's just mind-boggling uh, to see what it's he was true. able to do uh, those camera shots those oh my god yeah again i can talk about this forever just go watch it it's certainly one of those films that it's just brilliant great score and uh and sound design yes. as well oh and yeah, the acting absolutely. oh my god and the acting yeah. yeah yeah no really great really great yeah. all around awesome i think that does it for la llorona uh rosa is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners I've been watching a few movies for, for Women's History Month. Um, the last one I remember watching is the, uh, the, the Michelle Obama documentary, uh, Becoming. It's on Netflix. Okay. Um, that was a, a, a nice treat. It was a treat to watch. I, oh, yes. I also watched RBG on, on Hulu. Okay. Uh, cool. That documentary also. Man. Yeah, the documentaries that I've been watching lately, so inspirational and, and very motivational and Love yeah. it, loving it, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, uh, last year was a huge year for documentaries for me. I, I'm looking forward yeah. to what comes out this year for sure. Yeah. But awesome. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you and your podcast? Yes. Um, you can find Latinx Lens on every podcast platform. Um, you can also follow us on social media at Latinx Lens. And me, you can find me also on 
I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Facebook at Rosa's Reviews. Awesome. And uh, just to, to close it up, uh, you don't think when we had our disconnect issues here uh, that it was La Llorona uh, getting mad about something I was saying, do you? Maybe. Uh-oh. Or maybe the hereditary thing, kind of. That's yeah, true, too. Now you're scaring me. <laughs> you know what? I kid you not. We also had, oh my God, now I'm getting scared. Uh, we also had some technical issues because we did an episode for Latinx Lens uh, uh-huh. where we talked about six Latin American films that were uh, potentially, uh, that were submitted for the Academy for International. And of course, La Llorona was one of them. While we mm-hmm. were talking about that, we also had some technical issues and Kat was hearing some things going on oh. in her house. So... I don't know, man. Now I'm getting a little... I was just joking, but now I'm getting creeped (laughs) out, so... (laughs) Have you been thinking about a film for quite some time now? Have you got nowhere to turn to to talk about it? Well, the Film for Thought podcast is here for you. Every fortnight, I invite a guest on to talk about any film of her choice. It could be old or new, controversial or classic. If you have some thoughts about films, I want to discuss them. New episodes drop every second Friday, so make sure to come along and check out the Film for Thought podcast. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about La Llorona. Uh, Thank you, as always, to my great guest, Rosa. And uh, like I said at the beginning of that episode, I need to cover more uh, foreign films, foreign language films, and, uh, you know, just really kind of get out of my comfort zone with, you know, more of the mainstream or the uh, the, the indie, you know, weirdo movies that I tend to like, but I <laughs> cover a lot more other stuff. So, I uh, look forward to doing that in the future. So if you enjoy what we're doing here on piecing it together, make sure you are subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really enjoy piecing it together, we would love it if you rate and review us over on Apple podcasts or Podchaser. That is always awesome. We love hearing feedback on the show and love just hearing what you think we could be doing to make the show even better, but also love seeing those five stars, so that's nice too. You could also share the show, which is really, really helpful when you do that. And don't forget that we have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I combine content from Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, anything else podcast related that I'm involved with as well as my music career, which, by the way, I just finished scoring a feature-length horror film that hopefully will come out sometime in the next year or two, but the score uh, will probably come out sooner than that in a way that you can all hear it, so I will, of course, let you know when that happens. But, speaking of which, I always close out these episodes with a piece of my music, and I am going to close out with a piece of music from a film by that same director that made the feature that I just finished scoring. Uh, If you'll remember last year, I released an album called Beater, original motion picture soundtrack that combined the feature-length film Beater from director Chris Johnson and a bunch of the short films that him and I had worked on over the years. And this is a piece from that. It is from a short film called Daisy, and it's a a horror film. And uh, this is the title track, Daisy, from that horror film. So 
enjoy this. I figured this would be a good fit for this movie, La Llorona. So enjoy this track called Daisy, which is available on the Beater original motion picture soundtrack. And look forward to the Jacqueline score sometime soon. Uh, and more piecing it together coming out real soon in the next uh, week because we got a whole bunch of episodes we just recorded back to back. So they are coming. So more piecing it together coming soon, more music coming soon. And this is Daisy. West Production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.